I believe that everyone can do what I'm doing to some extent. Everyone can pursue their dreams. But it's the hardest fucking thing you're ever going to do in your life. It's harder than everything. But it's so worth it. It's so worth it. And I think that's the challenge for all of us to face. And I want to help people face that challenge. Because I did it on my own. I did it on my own and it was hard and it was long. And my feeling about it is there are things that I know that if I tell you, it's not going to prevent you from going through everything you need to go through, but it sure as hell is going to save you time. By all accounts, we're supposed to graduate from school and earn as much as possible. Money, fancy cars, vacations, homes, that's essentially the dream. Well, my guest and boyfriend, Frank Piazza, got a taste of it and realized that there's actually way more to life. Before the age of 25, he was working at BlackRock, the world's largest asset manager, and was earning over six figures. He had completed all three levels of the CFA, an exam that the Wall Street Journal dubbed to be the toughest in the world, and was only one year away from becoming a chartered financial analyst. In 2015, along with his now business partners, Frank quit. Everyone he knew was shocked at his decision and convinced that it was a huge mistake. But Frank persisted anyway and set out to discover his life's true calling. Since quitting, he's battled with depression, anxiety, and doubts about his decision, but insists that it was actually all for the best. Most of us would love to quit our 9-to-5 jobs to pursue our dreams, but what would it look like if we actually did? How do we prepare? Well, let's find out. You're listening to Chats with Kat, where I catch up with my fellow millennials every week to share their journey of self-actualization, overcoming fear, and paving the way for a soul's purpose to shine through. Let's start that right here, right now. Life is precious, and your days aren't guaranteed, and it's not infinite you don't get infinity time to do all of your hopes and dreams and everything you think of right you have one life and one life isn't that much time a year isn't that many days how crazy is it how quickly we can feel a year pass oh my god you're another year older oh my god it's the summer again or it's the winter again right 365 is not a lot being that this is my one shot on planet earth potentially and even if you know I somewhat spiritually can believe in uh, reincarnation or whatever. It's This is my one shot on earth as Frank Piazza with this energy and this skill set and this opportunity. So if I'm able, like if I have the savings and I have good people in my life and a team and I have ideas, why the fuck would I waste any time doing things that I don't care about doing? And I guess that was sort of the biggest energy that was pulling me is sort of this cosmic, like, you're here for one brief stint. Why the hell would I go in with wearing a suit doing something I don't like? You know, for me, this was really hard. And this was challenging psychologically to face myself and to deal with my thinking and anxiety and uh, to even learn how to be creative and to flow in that and, and all this stuff. And I guess the way I would say it is I feel like none of us were given like a manual for how to operate our human being. 
it's like, you know, we sort of are born into our body and are born into this energy and personality, but like being who you are and knowing who you are are two different things. And I think while everyone's journey is individual, there are reliable ways in which we all behave the same and we all think the same. I believe that everyone can do what I'm doing to some extent. Everyone can pursue their dreams, but it's the hardest fucking thing you're ever going to do in your life. It's harder than everything, but it's so worth it. It's so worth it. And I think that's the challenge for all of us to face. And I want to help people face that challenge because I did it on my own. I did it on my own and it was hard and it was long. And my feeling about it is there are things that I know that if I tell you, it's not going to prevent you from going through everything you need to go through, but it sure as hell is going to save you time. It might save you months or it might save you years and you'll get to where you need to be going quicker and with less suffering. And it's like, I guess that's the impact I want to have on the world is to just reduce suffering and unlock people to do everything they were born into this world to do. You know, I think that these days it's really easy to think that success and carving out your own lane comes really easy. Social media has completely distorted our perception of reality and it fails at providing enough context for us to get the full story. I'm convinced that more often than not, there's a ton of shit going on in somebody's internal world, but we just don't know about it. And it's partly because they never tell us, but it's mostly because we never ask. I asked Frank where his head was at when he quit work. Was he happy? Was he confident? Did he ever doubt his decision or have regrets on how he went about it? I wanted to get the full scoop and paint a realistic picture for those like me who have ever said, I cannot wait to quit my job. I feel like these are the hard-hitting questions that most people avoid, but they are the most important to ask. One way to go about this, where you probably wouldn't have to go through what I went through, which is if you already know what you love and you're already doing it, and or you already have a business that you're that you're sort of pursuing and starting to make money on, when you quit, you're just replacing one order for a different order. So there's going to be some transition period and figuring it out and you're on your own. You lack structure and you lack interaction and you lack validation. So it's still hard. Don't get me wrong. But there's something too like I literally went I, I went from order and I dove headfirst into the deep end of chaos. And I wouldn't recommend that for everyone. But there was something very powerful to that where I'm in the position I'm in now feeling very confident and it's like a real confidence because going through that diving headfirst into chaos made me look at myself and made me face all of the parts of myself that needed work and I'm not saying I'm complete by any means there's so much stuff I still need to work on but it's only because I had to face myself that I faced myself I love the the metaphor like the the, the parable of there's two young fish swimming along and they pass an older fish, and the older fish says, how's the water? And the one young fish looks at the other young fish and says, what's water? And to me, identity is something that is sort of the water of our lives, that you don't realize how important it is to your survival and to your security and calmness until, you, until it's swept out from under you. For me, the crazy thing was to fully lose myself, because it's like, okay, I'm making all this money, I have nice things, people 
people think I'm good at what I do. They think I'm successful. And then I just left it all. And it was me and my two buddies quit as well. And it was the three of us in a beach house in the middle of the winter with no one around. So I didn't have all the interaction I had with my clients and coworkers. I didn't have anything I was doing. Like we had rough ideas of what we wanted to do, but we didn't have like a business that was already moving. So it was like a lot of, it was a complete lack of validation. It was, I didn't know what would make a successful day. So the really cool part about working in a job is you go in and someone tells you like, Hey, here's what you got to do. Or even I had autonomy. I was a salesperson. So I could sort of decide what I wanted to do, but it was, it was within a very narrow band of things I could do. So it was very, overall, it was very clear what I had to do and then what, what made a good day. And when I quit, so I lack an identity, number one. So I went from very successful employee to basically wanting to be an entrepreneur and a creator, but not actually knowing how to do that. So I was in this weird the spiritual community, the East will call this the dark night of the soul, right? It's realizing that the identity that you once were is no longer who you are, but not being sure exactly who you want to be or not being able to be who you want to be. So you're sort of in this valley between the two identities. And this takes time to go through. And it took a lot of suffering. I went through a lot of anxiety and I went through depression for like, I would say the the darkest part of it was probably three months long, but it took me probably a year, year and a half to really dig out of that fully and, and be joyful and be confident again. But it was like, there was months where I couldn't really get out of bed and I couldn't, I couldn't think and I couldn't write and I couldn't be creative and I hated myself and I hated my decisions and I kept second guessing myself and I kept thinking and, um, it was chaos But it was like kind of weird where if I had to do it all over again, I probably would do it. When I left, right, like I said, when I was working, it's this feeling of like, this isn't fulfilling. I want to do something that helps people. And I want to to do something that's impactful. And I want to change the world. And I think that's a really good energy. But I think at first, it's almost, it's not that it's like, I don't want to say misplaced or that I was lying to myself. But it's this really weird feeling where it's like, Oh, you want to change the world? Well, you you don't even treat yourself. You're not even changing your own life yet. You're not how are you treating your parents and your family and your friends and and people around you and strangers? And what I realized was that to me, my belief is that you can't change the world until you start changing your local world. And so what that for a while, like so when I first quit, it was like what can I do to change the world, right? And then after a while, I was like, well, what can I do to just like be better to my parents and be better to my friends and be better to my girlfriend and um, whatever, right? And to me, doing that work makes me more empathetic, actually empathetic, not like, oh, I want to ambiguously help everyone. I think I can get there eventually, but I think it has to start with actually being empathetic and actually when I walk somebody who's who's like carrying a heavy box or something like it's like just stopping to help them or if I walk by a homeless person yeah giving them a couple bucks or talking to them or whatever it is so I think it starts very it has to start locally first because if you're saying you want to impact the world but around you you're not actually doing anything to impact the world you're 
it's a dissonance, like you're lying to yourself. So that was a big thing for me was realizing first that I have to be empathetic and caring towards the people in my life before I can help people sort of in the ether, like ambiguous people. I've always felt like there's something pulling me, right? There's an energy that's pulling me in a direction. And that energy is basically diametrically opposed to what society is telling me I should do, right? So to me, you know, you've gone through school your entire life and school tells you what the answers are. And then you get out of school and you get a job and society tells you what the answers are, what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to stay at this job. You're supposed to make money. You're supposed to save money. You're supposed to start a family. And you can, uh, all those things are beautiful things. But you also have an energy that's pulling you an intuition that's telling you that you should be doing something else or that you love something else. And to me, at a base level, it's about fostering that energy. It's about remembering that that energy is you. That energy is the most true, real thing that you have. And as you spend more and more time in the system, as you spend more and more time in society and defaulting to what society deems is true, and by the way, I mean it like what your parents think you should do and what you feel like your friends do and all that stuff... The more you let that control your life, the more you're going to stop fostering that energy and the further you're going to get away from who you really are. Again, it's not about quitting your job and it's like, yeah, there are people that are in positions that they can't really do much, but you can do a little bit to improve yourself and to foster that energy. And at a base level, that's what it's about. And it's like, I guess it just saddens me that, and I saw it with myself, that you can lose yourself to the wants and desires that are culturally told to us, right? That that are supposed to be the things that make you happy or something. And it's like, trust yourself, trust your energy, and nurture that creative essence that you that only you have, that only you can bring into the world, right? Then that's that's how you have to start viewing this. There's a lot of practical reasons why you would leave a job or change jobs or do something else. And, you know, there's a lot of sort of good quality reasons to do your own thing or try to help people or, or any of those. But at the bottom of it all, it was just like, you're going to die one day. And it's going to be soon. So why not just try to be the person you want to be and design the life you want and you know, look back at the end of this and truly not have any regrets and truly be proud of who you became and what you did. But more importantly, the fact that you even just experienced it fully and tried and put in an effort. Um, And that's sort of how I feel about all of this is this is a journey. There's nowhere, there are things I will succeed at doing eventually hopefully but it's the experience it's this the the challenge it's the it's the struggles and the suffering and the ups and downs that wind up making up your life anyway it's it's all of those moments is what you would look back on and say yeah that was my life and so you know while I want to succeed and I want to create beautiful things in the world I'm just glad I'm finally living a life that has a fullness to it. And when I say fullness, I don't mean like I'm walking around happy and in joy 24-7. 
I mean, there's, I have ecstatic moments where I'm in joy and in bliss and I just created something beautiful and I channeled something. And I have moments where I'm apathetic and the world is a cold, dark place and, you know, it's, and it's challenging and tough and unforgiving. And to me, that's where the living occurs is through that, that wide band of, of experience. And when I was working, doing something I was unfulfilled in, it was anything but that. It was a muted version of that. You have ups and downs, but everything's so constructed and nothing is that hard and nothing is that scary. And it's pretty clear, like you could stay at a job forever and as long as you're mediocre they're not going to fire you and they'll keep paying you and you'll keep having enough money to exist and you'll feel good about yourself and to me being on your own and and trying to pursue the harder thing and the harder thing is your personal thing what you're drawn to you learn so much about yourself and you learn so much about other people in the world and what you really care about and to me that's a worthy use of time and I think for each person, it's going to manifest differently, but wow, is that, is that what I think we're all looking for? I don't regret it because, again, in my mind, I guess at the bottom of why I'm doing all of this, I feel like it's like to grow. It's to, I hate the word enlightened sort of sounds pretentious, but it's like, it's sort of like whatever the, the strong version of that energy is right of what that word means like where this you're trying to face yourself and uncover you know who you truly are and how things work and and all of this is like yeah it was harder and yeah I had to go through months of fucking anxiety and depression and whatever but it was like if I had something that I could just go into I don't think I would have ever had to face that and I don't think I'd be as strong as I am right now and it's not to say that it would be a more fake confidence but I would certainly be less anti-fragile. Like I think there are things that are inevitably going to happen in all of our lives that shake us to the bone and that put us into complete chaos. And I'm sort of glad that I got to go through one of those rounds early in my life when it's like sort of the stakes are low. Okay, let's shoot out hypotheticals here. We're inspired by Frank's words and we begin our plan to quit our jobs within the next one to three years. Obviously, we want to know all the things At any chance we get, we'd ask those who have already quit, what books did you read, what podcasts did you listen to, what advice can you share? So I asked Frank to spill the tea. Tell us the secrets. What are the things that we don't know about but absolutely should before we do something as crazy as this? This is going to be one of the scariest things that we can ever do, so we need to prepare. So I think there's a few things. One thing is like a year before I quit work, I started to realize that I wasn't spending my time the way I needed to be spending my time. So, you know, another thing with quitting and whatever else is there could be things you want to do, but it doesn't mean you have the abilities you need to have to do them. So it's taken me a few years to acquire all of the skills and all the understanding I need to do what I'm doing now. And, you know, the first thing I would do, and this is what I did, is take stock of your time. See where your time is going. And it's like, look, if you want to get out of your job eventually and you want to do your own things and you have dreams and aspirations, look at how you're living your life because you can be telling yourself one story 
and living out another. And by that, I mean, you could be sitting there saying, I want to do this thing. And then the way you're spending your time is you're watching Netflix and you're going out and you're drinking and you're partying, whatever. And even like the summer before I quit, I knew I was going to quit. I, I went in on a beach house with all my buddies from college. You can ask them. I went there twice. And they're like, what are you doing? And it's like, I'm staying in on the weekends and I'm trying to learn and I'm listening to podcasts and I'm reading books and I'm watching YouTube videos and I'm, you know, having brainstorming sessions with my future business partners and trying to get to the bottom of this stuff. So it's like, look, you can only be so prepared for jumping into the deep end, but you can start doing the prep work now and you can start allocating your time more appropriately. And to allocate your time more appropriately you have to decide who is really helping you grow and you have to decide what activities could be additive. You have to start making those changes. So like, you know, I started meditating and I started journaling and I started doing all of the, trying to do all the things that I heard were good for me. And how did I hear they were good for me? Well, I was listening to podcasts and I think now we're getting to the point where, you know, this is four years ago. So in the last four years, I think a lot of this stuff has sort of permeated the culture a bit more where people know about meditating and they know about journaling or whatever but it's like committing to it um and i think and look building habits and changing your behavior is hard you've been doing the things you've been doing for a long time in a lot of cases right but i guess for me what was most important was I remember the specific journaling session I had, which is I reflected on when I'm 65 and I look back, what will have been the most important things? And then from there, I sort of started deciding what I wanted to do about it, what I needed to change based on that vision of what I wanted for my life. So to me, it starts with, first off, probably in your own life, feeling like, I don't want to do this forever. This isn't making me happy. Something needs to change. So once you feel that, it's your responsibility to change reality. And it doesn't mean you have to go out and quit your job the next day, but it, it does mean that you have to start making changes in how you're behaving. And, and to me, again, one of the ways to do that is to reflect on what you want. And then once you reflect on what you want, what do you have to start changing? And it doesn't mean, oh, you want to start reading books and you read one book and you pick it up and then you just stop. Or you, oh, I'm going to start meditating. You meditate for two days and then you stop. That's how it will... To me, that's how getting into new habits starts. But you have to remember that the goal is to change your behavior, to keep coming back and saying, no, I want to be better. This is what I need to be doing. And again, there's going to be, you know, fumbling and mess ups in there. But it's about realizing that the only way you're going to have the things you want is by putting time into the things that are going to allow you to get those things. But at the bottom of all of it, you need one essential perspective on your life you are not a complete human being yet you don't know everything you don't have all the skills you don't understand yourself and you so so in doing all of this you have to have a growth mindset if you feel fixed if you have an entity mindset and you think you can't change yourself and like what you're good at you're good at and what you're bad at you're bad at you are not going to make it very far because the second you hit something that's hard and the second you hit something that's frustrating, you're going to give up. It's like a really weird thing where to me, everything you want is on the other side of feeling uncomfortable and feeling stupid and inadequate. I can't tell you how many times I've sat down to try to learn something and at first you're like, like I taught myself how to program 
I taught myself how to code. And, you know, the first, the way I learned how to code was I sat down for six weeks. And for the first three weeks, I felt like an idiot. But I kept telling myself, I can learn this and I know I'm going to get better at this. And I know this is solvable, right? And that made it so I persisted. And I do that with everything. That's one of the only reasons I'm able to persist because things are going to be hard. So if you're going into it with the mindset of like expecting it to be easy or expecting yourself to learn quickly, you're setting yourself up for failure because it's going to get hard and you're going to hate it and you're going to hate yourself and you're going to drop it and you're going to give up. Give yourself a break when you're getting into all of these things. Like obviously you want to push yourself to do new things, but it's like realize... So for me, I've been out of work three years and I think I've been trying to improve myself like truly for the better half of, you know, for, for four years, maybe four and a half years, right? And it's like, I meditate every day now for probably a half hour or something. And I could tell you that, hey, look, meditating for a half hour to an hour each day is like, it's like, it gives you superpowers and it's going to make your work so much better. It's going to make you more creative. You're going to feel so much more connected. You're going to be able to see yourself. And all of those things are true. But the probability of you being able to just start meditating for a half hour every day and commit to it every day for the next year is like, maybe there's some small percentage of people who can just do that. But it's actually, it's a very low percentage chance that you're just going to start doing it consistently and for a long time every day. And that's okay, right? It's To me, it's, and this is, I suffered so much in my own hand because of this, right? Is there's all these things I need to do to be better and to have the things I want. And then I would expect myself to just do them flawlessly. And then I would falter and I would hate myself and I would give myself so much shit and I'd be so hard on myself. And again, you want to try to show up and you want to try to get better, but realize it's going to take time. It's taken me years to meditate consistently. It's taken me years to journal consistently. It took me, and then in terms of learning skills, it's taken me over a year to get really good at video editing and audio editing and podcasting and creating videos and brainstorming and whiteboarding and collaborating with my business partners. Those are all skills that I didn't have. So realize that I, I think, you know, anything that you think you can, anything that you dream of doing, you can do. But don't confuse wanting to do something with being able to do something. It's going to take a lot of time to learn who you actually are and to build the skills you need to build and to learn how the world works and and all of these things. That's a learning process. It's a lifelong learning process. In terms of resources that really helped me early on, you got to give it up to Tim Ferriss. So first off, his podcast, as well as his book, The 4-Hour Workweek, not that I'm really like following a bunch of things from The 4-Hour Workweek, but I think that book opens your eyes to the fact that you can design a life that is outside of just having a 9-to-5 job, right? Um, and there's also a lot of tips and tactics in there that are useful, but it, to me, it was more of a perspective-shifting type book. And it's funny, I was even talking to my cousin recently who read it. And he's been liking his job, but I knew it was like a matter of time before he sort of got the itch to leave. And he texts me, he's like, he's like, dude, I'm reading the four hour work week and like, I want to quit my job right now. I was like, perfect. <laughs> but so I would definitely recommend that book as well as his podcast. And, you know, there's a bunch of different episodes that really were eye opening on that podcast. Um, episode two with Josh Waitskin, who's like a child chess prodigy, 
super brilliant. The way he structures his life, the way he thinks about things really opened my eyes. Ed Catmill, who's the founder of Pixar, talks about creativity and talks about how they make movies and incredible. Um, to me, I think those were two of the most impactful, but you can sort of scroll through there and find ones. I'm sure most people listening are familiar with the podcast, but you can scroll through and find different interviews, all high performers and whatever. Um, the other major resource I would say is Ray Dalio's Principles. So for those of you who don't know, because no one seems to know about Ray Dalio, Ray Dalio is the founder of the world's largest hedge fund. They manage $160 billion. He's personally worth $16 billion. And Ray Dalio started off very uh, middle class upbringing, didn't come from anything. And he actually wound up creating one of the most, he created the smartest way to invest basically that reduces risk and increases returns. And uh, on a risk adjusted basis, meaning that for the lowest possible level of risk, he earned his clients the highest return over like a 30 or 40 year period. So he's like the best investor of all time in some ways. And Principles is his book that he created that outlines sort of the first part of it is like autobiographical and his like sort of life and pursuit. The second part is all of his life principles that he's figured out over time. So again, the guy who's worth $16 billion, who is one of the best investors of all time, is outlining all of his life principles that allowed him to go from middle class to billionaire. And then the third part of the book is all of his management principles, which are sort of reflect his life principles. And it used to be a free PDF. I think if you Google it, you could probably still find copies of the free PDF. But now he expanded into an actual book, which is a beautiful book. Um, And, you know, if you want to look at the autobiographical stuff, you can. But I would really recommend reading The Life Principles because you get to see how his mind works and you get to see how he thinks about reality. And I read that book. I probably read that book like every six months or so. And every time I go back to it, I just learn so much. And, you know, it's it's like it's a little hard to get through, but don't try to read it like you would read a normal book. Read a page or two at a time. Get one life principle and just chew on it for a few days or a week and then come back to it because that's each life principle actually has that much value to you. Like could not recommend this enough. And the one other major resource was... Um, Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. The Gregory Hayes translation. Very important. The other translations suck. So if you're going to get this, get the Gregory Hayes translation. It's like a black and red cover with like a feather or a bird on it or something. But for those of you who don't know, Marcus Aurelius was the emperor of Rome from 161 AD to 180 AD. And he's considered one of the last like great emperors of Rome. And what Meditations is, is all of his journal entries later in his life. So he never meant for this to be a book. It was sort of discovered and then compiled into a book. And he's, uh, you know, he's part of the Stoic philosophy. And he, it's like he's reflecting on, so meanwhile, he lived almost 2,000 years ago. And he's reflecting on sort of life and relationships and fate and experience and legacy and all these things and what you realize is that human experience has not changed at all and I mean this is a guy who was the most powerful man in the world or at least the most powerful man in the west uh, for 20 years reflecting on very normal uh, human concerns and same thing I mean this book is written in a way where he writes in these little short because they're like journal entries so these little paragraphs or whatever 
that you can just like pick up and read a couple and then go into your day with it. And I used to just read this every morning for a few months. And it just gave me so much perspective on, on how you can view things. And it's not like I wholesale adopt Stoic philosophy, but there's there's so much good things in there. And then I sort of use that as a jumping off point to then get into other Stoic uh, philosophers as well as Eastern philosophy. And sort of it put me on this quest to like look for philosophical answers, ways of contextualizing my life that were beneficial to me. Um, but highly, highly, highly recommend that book. And again, that's something I would recommend reading a page or two at a time and reflecting on things and finding little passages that really speak to you. I go back to it all the time. Uh, it's a really good book. I don't care if uh, someone has bizarre opinions that I don't agree with in, in some areas, but like to me, I'm looking for truth wherever the hell it is. So like I'll look at you know things from... Uh, Eastern philosophy and Eastern religion. I'll also look at things from Christianity. I'll look at, I'll look at all religions and spiritual things to f- try to find the truths that speak to me about reality. And likewise, like I'll wherever the things are, I'll I don't care what they are, because to me, to me, every one and every little like weird corner of reality, people are looking for truth. So even if they're crazy, most of the time, there's something there for you to uncover for yourself. And to me, being a little too rigid and dogmatic about who you listen to and who you identify with is preventing you from learning a lot of things about reality. I asked Frank that if he had one shot to give the entire world one message, what would it be? Here's what he had to say. You're going to die one day. It could be 50 years from now. It could be 20 years from now. It could be four fucking days from now. But you're going to die, right? You have a limited amount of days. Today, you listening to this right now is precious. You'll never get this moment back. You'll never get this minute back. You'll never get this day back. So stop treating your days like they're infinite. Stop treating your life like it's infinite. You're here for a blink of a fucking eye. So the things that you really care about, the things that you tell yourself you care about, start actually caring about them. Start allocating time. Start allocating energy to the things that you want and the things that you love. Because your life is just a collection of how you spend your time. So start spending it wisely and keep reminding yourself that this is finite, this is fleeting, this is going to end, because that will prioritize the things that you really care about. It'll make the important important again. And yeah, just go for it. Go for it as much as you can go for it. And I know we're all in different situations and different circumstance, but don't blame your circumstance, because whatever circumstance you're in, that's what you're in. That's the hand you got dealt. Sorry. Okay? Doesn't matter. Nobody cares. You have to put in the work regardless of where you're at. And maybe it'll be harder than other people. But you can get through it. You can get through anything. But you have to put in the time and you have to believe and you have to grow out of it. And if you care enough, you'll grow out of it. And if you don't, you won't. But there's no excuse. It's your responsibility. It's solely your responsibility. And that took me so many years to realize that life is not going to give you anything life gives you what you deserve it doesn't give you what you want 
Quitting our jobs to pursue what we love is something most of us joke and daydream about. But what if somehow, someway, it could become reality? No longer a joke, but our actual lives. What would we need to do right now to get ready for that? These days, Frank is busy editing and producing a cooking show called Couch in the Kitchen, which you can find on YouTube. It's a quirky, non-traditional cooking channel that educates while making you laugh. I think it's hilarious, and I'm not just saying that because he's my boyfriend. He's using this as the perfect opportunity to master the skills he'll need in order to put out videos and content related to what he cares about most, making people aware of their full potential. Pursuing our dreams is a lifelong endeavor, and there's no one-size-fits-all approach, but I think that this is a good start. There's some great things shared here, so as always, if there's anything that resonated with you, go ahead and send it to somebody that you really care about. Thank you all for listening, and we will chat next week. That was this week's episode. I really hope you all enjoyed it. If there's anything you'd like to chat about, send an email to cat at catlantigua.com and I will make sure to get back to you. You can keep up with me in between episodes by following cat.lantigua on Instagram and heading to catlantigua.com to opt in to receive my weekly newsletters. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. I'm sending you all lots of love, light, and good vibes. We'll chat next week.